Hello, and welcome to the Still To Be Determined podcast, the podcast that follows up on topics from the YouTube channel Undecided with Matt Farrell. I'm not Matt Farrell. Sorry to disappoint. <laughs> I'm Sean Farrell. I'm a writer, and I'm the older brother. And with me is Matthew, and Matthew will say hello. Hello. This week, we're going to be talking about Matthew's most recent episode, which is, is a battery snowblower worth it? Ego two-stage review. Question mark in there, in the appropriate spot. <laughs> it is the ego two-stage review, which when I first saw this, I thought the review was going to be two stages. <laughs> that would have been interesting. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I read that as I was starting the video up and I thought, oh, a two-stage review. I guess he reviewed it and then he did something and then he reviews it again. And then partway through, I was like, oh, it's a two-stage review. <laughs> this episode dropped on January 19th, 2021. And my first thought was, this product really blows. Oh, Sean. <laughs> you and I are both the product of our parents. <laughs> The family of puns. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm just going to wait a moment and let the applause and <laughs> laughter die down from our listeners. As intriguing as the review was, I really don't have a lot of comments. <laughs> <laughs> it's a snowblower. It's a snowblower. <laughs> it blows snow. It blows snow. It, it's a, I guess the best way to incorporate this into the purposes of the podcast is really to look at it big picture, which is you don't have any other things in your life that burn gas. Yeah. There's really other nothing else. There's yeah. you're, you're done. Other than my wife's car. And your wife. No. <laughs> oh, hey. <laughs> hey. Hey now. Good night, everybody. <laughs> Good night. Woo. Yeah. Yeah, remember when, when I remember when Johnny Carson people used to drink on Johnny Carson. <laughs> I was gonna say when I make videos like about my ego snow uh, snowblower and the mower, I'm looking at it from the big picture point of view of it's it's like there's so many things in our lives that are using gasoline and fossil fuels to power them, and it's like there are alternatives and they can work. They don't necessarily work across the board. Like an EV may not be the right fit for you if you have to do crazy amounts of driving and you can't wait the half hour to charge your car on the road. There's certain people where that may not work right now. And it's like the same thing for these kind of mowers and snowblowers. You may have a massive driveway and it's like you're going to need multiple batteries if you don't want to wait for the batteries to recharge to complete the job. So there's circumstances where you may not want one of these and for right. me my driveway is just pushing the boundary of how much these batteries can handle in one go right so as far as like refueling it works for me and i was just shocked at how well it handled the snow because i've heard from so many people and read so many reviews about the single stage electric snowblowers that they sometimes really struggle with heavier snow and my neighbor has one of those single stage ones and she loves it, but it can't do the deepest snow that we sometimes get. This thing, it was handling the snow better than my Aryans ever did. <laughs> just, right. That's that's the thing that shocked me the most. It was like all along it's like I've I've been kind of brainwashed into thinking, uh, it's gotta be gas or you're gonna be screwed. Isn't that the new Toro advertising campaign? <laughs> yes. 
electric motors can be, ba- they're basically all torque. That's why when you get into a Tesla and you right. do the crazy takeoffs, it's just, it's like you, you have all the torque available to you when you like take off, which gives you that huge punchy start. Can you do something similar with the snowblower? <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> it's like dragging you down the driveway with you like behind it, barely holding on the handlebars. <laughs> Yeah, no, we're, it's already, that- we're already in a in a in a giddy spot. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I don't think there's I don't think there's much hope for this episode of the podcast. No, but yes, that's that is kind of how I felt about this when I was using it. I was just I'm not saying this to be a pun, but I really was blown away by how much right. the snowblower blew. <laughs> <laughs> You benefit from the fact that you have the same manufacturers, other products, and they very smartly, I mean, really very smartly, the battery packs are the same size. Yes. Yes. That's a stroke of like really forward thinking on their part to be able to say, somebody like you, I've got the lawnmower, I've got the snowblower, I effectively have multiple battery packs right out of the gate. Yep. So that's terrific. One of the things that stood out to me was setting themselves apart with the green coloring. I thought that was, mm-hmm. yeah, there, there was a very bold message being sent there that when the Borg ship returns, this will be taken back by them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> now what I was going to say is uh, sending the message that this is a green product. So yes. Yeah. The marketing going hand in hand with the engineering, I think, it's a Tesla-like thinking, I think, in the, mm-hmm. or Apple, where it seems like they really took a look at what is this as a whole product. You pointed out things like the lack of metal around the hand gears means no rusting. So mm-hmm. it's, it's little things like that that as you were saying those things, I was like, that's a smart thing. That's a smart thing. I did have one question. It's a test you and I often use in looking at products like this. Does it pass the parents test? (laughs) Would they be able to use it? (laughs) No, they would figure it out. If you know how to operate any snowblower, you'll know how to operate this. There's nothing special about needing to figure crazy things out. It's, It's just a push a button, it starts, hold these two clamps down and it goes. And then here's your throttle essentially in the right. direction that you want to throw the snow. So it's, it's, it's pretty self-explanatory and they could absolutely use it. And for me, for me, Sean, the most exciting part is this is something my wife can use. She never, ever wanted to use the Arians because that thing, when I say it was like trying to ride a bull, it's not a, it's not yeah. a understatement. I bought the wrong one. I would say the the this ego is like a step above the Arians I bought. The one I bought 10 years ago, it cost, I think it was $900. And this ego was 13. The the Arians 10 years ago that I almost bought was about 1200 bucks, which I think is the one that's more comparable to the ego. Mm. And it had controls to control like on the clamps on the handlebars controlled the wheels like a tank. So you could control the right wheel or the left wheel so it would make it easy to turn. The mm. one I bought didn't have that. And the only... So you had to wrestle so, with it. So the, this is why I found it so fascinating. The two wheels, Sean, are connected with a solid axle. So they have to turn in unison. So you 
can't actually turn the Aryans at all. And it's like, how, how are you supposed to use this? And then the instructions were like, if you want to be able to turn it easier, you basically have to remove this like little like uh, hand grenade style like clip from the axle, slide the wheel off of that clip, then put the clip back. So what ended up meaning was on my Aryans for 10 years, one wheel was powered and the other one just spun free. <laughs> so every time, and you had to do that or it was impossible to turn the sucker. So to get it to turn, you had to do this little trick. And then that meant my right wheel was powered, my left wheel wasn't. And so as you're using it, you're constantly having to basically be pushing the left-hand side of the thing forward to try to make sure it's going straight. Because if you stopped doing that, the th <laughs> it would just try to go to a circle. <laughs> I hated that thing. It was so, it was so unwieldy to use and to operate. It was just a beast. It weighed so much. I, it was loud as I'll get out. And this thing, it's it's half the weight. It's still loud, but it's half as it's about half as loud. I can actually wear headphones and listen to things. And I couldn't tell you how easy it was to navigate down the driveway. <laughs> <laughs> the way it like powers its wheels and you can turn it easily. It was like, what the hell, Arians? $900 for this thing that was like <laughs> painful to use. And, and my wife never, ever wanted to use it. She just was like, I, I can't handle it. I can't control this. Right. This one, she actually can. And so now I'm like, I don't have to be the only one that's snow blowing anymore. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a change that didn't make it into the review but meant more to you than anything that did make it to the room. Yes. <laughs> this is a wife-capable snowblower. <laughs> yeah, it's a life changer. Yes. And you, you brought up the ecosystem of the batteries. I didn't mention it in the review, but it's like there are other two-stage snowblowers. There's not a lot of them, electric ones. But there's like Ryobi, who makes like drills and everything like that. They have a, a line of battery, you know, lawnmowers and things like that too. If you, the thing is like, if you buy into a system, you should probably stay in that system because it's the most economical because you can get multiple batteries going on that platform. Right. So if you're into Ryobi, go all Ryobi. It's like, just do it all because you're going to get huge returns by staying in that family. Um, for me, I've, I've chosen ego and I could not be happier. And it feels, there's an aspect of it that feels like the um, inkjet printer market where you buy an inkjet printer, it's like, this printer is $79. And yeah. then you go to buy an inkjet cartridge, it's 30 bucks. It's like, yeah. wait a minute, what? Yeah. That's the same thing with these batteries. It's yeah. like, the, the, this was 1300 bucks. A single replacement battery right now is basically $400. So right. if you need to get two new ones, because it takes two, you're talking $800 of batteries out of a $1,300 snowblower. So it feels like they're either selling this to you at a loss or they're, or right. the real cost is it's probably the real cost of it, but it's it just goes to show like two thirds of the cost of it is the battery. Right. So you're saying that it takes two to make it snowblow, right? Oh, Sean. <laughs> Jeez. I'm gonna <laughs> wait for the applause and laughter to die down again. Oh boy, my brother. <laughs> So I didn't have much else of my own to bring up around this, uh, other than one quick question. How does it compare to the one-foot-wide Toro that you and I used to have to use when we were in high school? 
Oh my God. <laughs> on a 80 foot long driveway, a double wide thing, driveway. My favorite thing about that snow in Rochester, on, New York. Yes. The, the snowiest large city in the country, mind yeah. you. The, that snowblower, just so people understand, it was a beater bar. Yeah. That was, the auger wasn't even really an auger. It was just a, a metal paddle. rod. It was that a had paddle. A, it had, yeah. That had a rubber paddle on just one side that yeah. just spun really fast. Yeah. It was a glorified we snow could have, shovel. We could have used it as an outboard motor. Yes. It was that design. If we had been, if there had been sudden flooding and all we could do was get onto an air mattress with that snowblower, we would have been fine. I just, I have memories of, there was like, a, oh, one of the houses we lived in, I remember there was like a snowfall of like basically three feet of snow. Yeah. Door, this garage door goes up and we're like, oh my God. And we were out there for hours digging out. And the way it was, was a bunch of us with snow shovels digging mm. down the snow to where we had already snow blowed. And then they, we would use the, Toro just to heave it up yeah. and over the yeah. edge to get out. <laughs> it's like yeah. a multi-person, multi-stage process to yes. dig ourselves out of that. It was one of many in the long line of dad refusing to get a new thing yeah. until something happened where he had to use it. And then yeah. miraculously within the week we had a new one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it was... This is not directly related to the video, but the the thing about this to me that's a little sad is I actually had somebody in the comments that was from the Rochester area that commented mm -hmm. about it. And uh, he even said to me that there's uh, the winters for the past few seasons in Rochester have actually been pretty light. Yeah. And the same thing here in Boston. Boston, when I moved here, we used to get deep snows and even in the house i'm currently living in like eight or nine years ago there was a snowfall where we got like two and a half feet of snow yeah and these snow piles i put a photo of it in the video there's a photo of my wife and the snow pile behind her is taller than she is yeah um that was us digging out it was it was incredible but we have had basically no snow like that ever since and it keeps getting warmer each year and it's just a climate change is real yep yeah <laughs> like, it really is me meeting me needing this snowblower is becoming less and less of a factor as time goes on, which is kind of sad. It's yeah, it's, and it, it's a real thing. And yep. uh, New York city I know has, uh, been changed. The zone that New York city is in mm -hmm. is no longer the temperate zone. It's now the subtropical. Mm. Um, and our winters here, I, as recently as 10 years ago, we were getting snowfall that was, less than Boston, but still pretty severe. It was yeah. not atypical to have five or six big snowfalls uh, during the winter, a foot each, and having days where commuting was walking through extremely difficult uh, conditions with slush and ice and snow everywhere. Mm -hmm. the past three years, we've had, I think, two snowfalls. And neither of them last more than a couple of days. The most recent one was just um, a couple months ago and it was the first time in, I kid you not, years where the snow was actually the kind of snowfall that allowed for kids to go sledding and make snowmen. Hmm. Um, and that's not typical. Uh, so yeah, it's a pretty pretty drastic and noticeable change. And as somebody who grew up in New York State, mm -hmm. I agree with you. It feels sad. It's it's a it's a change which um, it's something I miss. You know that kind of winter. I remember our childhood was filled with 
convincing ourselves that we could build tunnels in the backyard. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and being ever so disappointed when those little tunnels would collapse on us. I mean, not to get too like sentimental about it, but it's like I'm just imagining 10, 20 years from now where it's like you and I are going to have memories of our childhoods with that kind of level of snow and kids living in those same areas will barely know snow. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, Which takes me to the comments uh, on the video. Yeah. Uh, these are mainly, I'll, I'll read these mainly just for entertainment's sake because I okay. just, I laughed while I was reading them. Uh, some of the top comments, uh, George H wrote interesting, but I'll stick with my echo friendly shovel. George, <laughs> I hope you have a short driveway. Yes. Wait, before you go on, my eighth grade history teacher died of a heart attack <laughs> shoveling his driveway. Mm -hmm. So, <laughs> okay. Good luck yeah. with that shovel. Good luck. <laughs> Smeagol wrote, YouTube, here's a snowblower review. Me, who has never seen snow in my life. Hmm, yes, <laughs> interesting. Yes. There were a bunch of those. Yeah. I love those. KFX wrote, as someone from Wisconsin, hearing Aryans pronounced like that made my eye twitch. I yeah. don't know <laughs> what sort of pronunciation they're looking for, but that just made me laugh. They might be Aryans. Kitchen writes, wish list updated, ego snowblower plus a house with a driveway. <laughs> <laughs> and this one made me laugh out loud. Mad Have You wrote... Why am I watching this? I have only seen snow once on vacation in my life. <laughs> <laughs> I got so many comments like that of people like, I, I can't believe I just watched this. Somebody yeah. wrote, I can't believe I watched, I, I live in Saudi Arabia and I just watched this video. <laughs> it's, like, <laughs> it's like, God bless you, sir. <laughs> yeah, well, it's living in a desert, watching a movie about a snowblower. <laughs> There is an aspect to YouTube where you feel a connection to the YouTubers that you that you listen to, that you watch. Yeah. Uh, there's something personal about the interaction, especially when YouTubers, and I know you do this, you appeal directly to the viewers and you speak directly to them of, of your appreciation. And it's a little bit different than, it feels different than just picking a name out of a hat, Larry King on TV. Right. I don't feel like I'm friends with Larry King, but I can't help but feel a sort of kinship around the YouTubers who talk about things that I care about. It's more and, personal, yeah. Yeah, and there are definitely times where I have watched 15, 20-minute long videos about particular things that I know I will never interact with simply because a YouTuber that I like is talking about it. And it's yeah, mainly that. about yeah. stuff like video games and, and stuff like that, where somebody is just like, I'm going to go into a review about this video game. And as I'm watching it, I'm like, I hate this type of video game, but I'm really enjoying the review. So transitioning now to the second half of our show, as usual, we'll talk a little bit about TV shows or movies or whatever we're using to pass the time. And Matt, I am flipping a coin. Oh, here we go again. Heads or tails? Heads. It is tails. You lose. You have to go first. Okay. <laughs> well, there's two things I want to bring up. The first one is not a movie or TV show, but I finally got my hands on a PlayStation 5 and I'm loving, Sony knocks the hardware out of the park every time. This thing is really well designed. It's really, the controllers are actually better now. I'm enjoying playing the games I'm playing. I'm playing 
games like Call of Duty at 120, frame, 120 frames per second on my TV. It's it's fabulous. I'm loving it. But the one thing that Sony always drives me nuts on is their user interface design. As a user interface designer, I am a little nitpicky when it comes to user interfaces in a way that most people aren't. But even at a base level, anybody with a brain would have problems with the way they designed this UI. And this is something that's been a problem with Sony all along. I remember when the PlayStation uh, 3 and the PlayStation 4, they both have had massive UI issues where they're just not as easy to use as the Xbox, where Microsoft actually excels at that kind of thing. Yeah. (laughs) Sony sucks. (laughs) And this new, new UI, it's gorgeous. It looks beautiful. But to use it, is it's one of the centerpieces of consoles like this is the party system because like almost every game now is multiplayer you're creating parties with friends and you're playing with other people it's a very social experience playing these games so the social experience is core to all of it whether you're on steam or you're playing xbox or this they've made the party system so bad and so hard to use i just don't it's like did nobody in Sony test this? Were they all drinking their own Kool-Aid and thought this was the best thing ever? The, their party system they've decided to call Game Base. Mm. What the f- what the hell is a Game Base? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> why wouldn't you just call it Party? You know, everybody talks about a party system. Call it Party. They called it Game Base. You go into Game Base and the way they've set up parties is they're more like rooms. So when you create a party... They now are everlasting. They don't go away. So if I created a party with you and you and I played a game and then we both left, the next time I come online, that part, that room where you and I were in, we're both members of that room. I could go back into that room. And if I go back into that room, you automatically get notified that I've joined that room as if I started a new party and then you can come in. Bizarre. I don't know. Yes. I, I don't give a crap about having a party that stays ever present because yeah. now in my list, um, game base, I have countless numbers, 20,000 different it's rooms. Like, <laughs> yes. One with one with me and one with me and you, one with me, you and Frank, one with me and Frank, one with me, Frank and Frank's, you know, daughter, cousin. Right. It's like, and cousin. <laughs> and it's like, it's like, I have, it's just so stupid. It's like, this is biz- bananas. I don't need them to be ever present. Stop it. Yeah. Um, and then on top of that, you're in a party and you're saying, good night, everybody. I got to go. PlayStation 4, <laughs> you, could, you could go one button press, two button presses, and you're out. <laughs> this new one. Here, let me hit my PlayStation button. Let me go to game base. Let me go to, okay, here's that active room. Okay, now let me click into the view details. Okay, <laughs> let me click this button to exit. It's like five or six button presses. And me and our mutual friend, Frank, he and I joke all the time now where it's like, we're like, I'll see you later. Okay, gonna see you soon. Bye, I'm, I'm gonna miss you. And you're saying this as you're trying to go through the menus. It is, it is insanely bad. And I just don't understand why they can't get better at this when there are talented user interface designers out there. Something called user testing. Try it. Right. You might find that this was horrible. But I'm hoping to God they fix it. So that was the first thing I wanted to bring up. 
Uh, the second thing I want to bring up is something I can't give details on because it will give it away. But there's this new movie on Hulu that just came out that's called In and of Itself. And it's written and performed by Derek Delgadio, who I'd never heard of before, but he's a writer and a magician. And he wrote this one-man show for Broadway, and it was on Broadway for a couple of years. And the Broadway show was directed by Frank Oz. It is astonishing. And Stephen Colbert and his wife, Evie, saw it on Broadway and were so blown away, they approached Frank Oz and Derek to turn it into a movie. And so this movie is that. So this is produced by Stephen Colbert and his wife, directed by Frank Oz, and it's Derek Delgadio. And it's very similar in a way to the Hamilton movie that came out, where it's an actual recording of the stage play. This is not a movie version of it. It is an actual recording of, they've clearly recorded probably five or six different performances in different ways, and then cut it together as one piece. Incredibly well produced. Um, I, I don't want to give away what it's about because, and do not read what it's about. <laughs> Let me tell you that first. Okay. <laughs> because, please, please don't. Because going in blind as to what this is actually going to do is the magic. And I use that specifically. He's a magician. And the, the storytelling of the show is the magic trick. It is, the basic premise is it's all about perception. It's about how we perceive ourselves as a person, how we want to be identified by others, and how we identify others. So like me looking at you and Sean and saying, Sean, you're a writer. And you looking at yourself and saying, I'm a writer. We get put into boxes as to what people perceive us as and what we perceive ourselves as. That's all I can tell you. Mm -hmm. And it plays with that. And it tells this. <laughs> at the, I, I will say Derek comes across as a very sad man. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I, I cried <laughs> like at one point an ugly cry <laughs> watching this show. I cried several times and it's a very, it, it's haunting me. It's sticking with me. It's, mm. it's an eye opening movie. It is, it, it struck a chord with me that, uh, I didn't know was there <laughs> and it is just profound. I just thought the storytelling was just spectacular. So don't read anything. Don't watch any trailers. If you have Hulu, just go watch in and of itself. It is tremendous. It's an hour and a half. It's not that long. Really, really good. That sounds right up my alley. And I definitely want to check that out. And as far as the PlayStation uh, user interface and the, the party system, I have the same complaints you did. I, I have the PS4, so I don't have what they call it's not called the same thing on the ps4 no, no but my experience has been every time i start a party i know it's not happening but every time i do it i feel like i'm doing it different way than yes. i did the previous time <laughs> yes. every single time i'm like i'm like okay i'm gonna oh i'm already in the party oh hello frank oh you're here okay hi how you doing <laughs> the next time okay starting a party and okay where how come it why did it take me to this page? Where, where's Frank? Where, huh? <laughs> oh, I just got an invitation from him. I'll join his party. Okay. Uh, Frank, can you hear me? <laughs> Hello, Frank? Oh, there you are. Okay. 
And I feel like I'm doing the same thing, but it's like, guess what? It's a house of mirrors. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you think you're going left, but you're actually going right. That's the sound of a good UI, Sean. <laughs> <laughs> it's so bad. It's so bad. So I wanted to talk about two things. And one of the things I wanted to talk about is actually going to be two things itself. So I'm indirectly talking about three things. <laughs> As people might remember from previous episodes of the podcast, I am currently, along with my girlfriend, watching the films of Polly Platt. And we are now into the third week of our watching of her filmography. But unfortunately, The Thief Who Came to Dinner is a 1973 comedy. It was directed by Bud Yorkin, and it stars Ryan O'Neill, Jacqueline Bissett, uh, and a bunch of other well-known people, including Ned Beatty. And it's just not available anywhere. And it's one of those times in what feels like consumer overload as far as TV and movies and streaming services and all the available stuff in front of us. It struck me as a funny gap that a movie which is well-reviewed and I actually remember seeing this when you and I were kids. I remember mom and dad liked this movie. Mm -hmm. And I remember seeing parts of it when, when we were little and it just struck me as funny that there are these gaps in what's available and who holds rights to things. And so I just wanted to, you know, give a little shout out to all the forgotten movies that are drifting somewhere in the ether and unavailable for whatever reason. Um, so we moved on to the second film that I'm going to talk about, which is the 1976 remake of A Star is Born. And this is a movie that, again, I remember glimpses of this when you and I were really little. I remember mm -hmm. when it would be on TV, mom and dad would watch it, but I had never seen it. And similar to the other films from filmography up to this point, the number of films that Polly Platt was involved with that were this good is really kind of dumbfounding. Um, and this movie, Barbara Streisand, I'm more familiar with her just because I've seen more things with her in it. But Chris Christopherson is a performer who, I was thinking about it the other day and it occurred to me that he kind of filled the gap that was left by James Dean. If James mm -hmm. Dean had lived, I think he would have been playing roles like this. The understated rebel, the rebel who is not rebelling via large scale action, but just rebelling by standing still and l letting people who are railing against them rail mm -hmm. and not reacting. That kind of determinist, uh, determination to be themselves in the moment. And mm -hmm. it's an understated performance. It's a very powerful performance. He's a, I always thought of him. There's another movie of his, which is Convoy, which is not a good movie, but it's a great performance. And I remember it from when I was a kid. Um, you and I ended up visiting with our parents and I was young and probably shouldn't have seen this movie but a bunch of the kids were put into a room to watch a movie together. You were not in there because you were considered too young to watch the movie. The movie Convoy is about a, uh, 
a group of truckers who start to basically protest against societal abuses. And it's this very much a, a, a movie of the 70s. It's that kind of, um, we're pushing it back against the man. And he's in that movie. And I, and I said, as we started watching A Star is Born, I found him incredibly charismatic. And there is a lot of subtlety in his performance and a lot of just genuine feeling as you see his relationship with her. And it's, and it's a, it really is a lovely love story. Um, and the music is for me almost secondary because there are moments where the music feels a little dated or it's just, they're not the best known songs of either of them as performers. It's not like, I think the current star is born. The more recent one actually had genuine hits that, resonate on their own in a way that it felt like, okay, people knew these songs because of the movie, but once that started to age, those songs didn't really carry forward in the same way. Mm -hmm. But I started reading up on Chris Christopherson and he was, when he was in high school, he was published by the Atlantic monthly for some short stories. He wanted to become a writer. He became a Rhodes scholar and studied at Oxford. While he was there, he started doing some performing of songs and was being promoted by a classmate as he's this American. So in England, he was had this kind of anachronistic place. After finishing at Oxford, he returned to the States and became a helicopter pilot in the Army Rangers. He achieved the level of captain before refusing to teach at West Point and then moved on to having a singing and acting career. That's one hell of a path. And I'm just like, what? <laughs> it was <laughs> like I, I, everything about him as I read his biography, it just started to be like, is somebody pranking us is did somebody go into wikipedia and just keep adding things so let's see how much they'll believe about chris christopherson the man is still alive he's in his 80s he has three and, michelin stars and yeah <laughs> i found a picture of him and i swear to god he's the most handsome man at 80 yeah and just as like rugged and tough looking as as he was when he was in his 30s and 40s so he's a man's this, man this is just, but that's the thing is he doesn't come across as a man's man. He just comes across as an individual. Yeah. And that's how he carried himself. And that's why it, to me, that's also what I saw in James Dean. It's the same sort of like classic rebel without a cause. I mean, literally the title of the movie says it, it's, it's this somebody who's just standing there and saying like, I'm not going to be throwing bricks through your windows, but don't ask me to do anything. And, and really the performance in the movie is, is really top notch. Um, so I came out of it with, I already had a, a strong appreciation for the entertainer quality of, of Barbra Streisand, but Chris Christopherson really, um, blew me away. And the other thing I wanted to mentally, uh, mentally, <laughs> the other thing I wanted to mention is a new animated series, which is on Fox and it's premiering early next month, but they have had two episodes. And if you have Hulu, you should be able to find them on Hulu. And it's The Great North. 
and it's from the same production company. I don't think it has any of the same creators, um, but I think there may be some producers in common with Bob's Burgers. The animation style looks very much like Bob's Burgers. It is not supposed to be the same world. Um, this show takes place in Alaska, and it is featuring the voices of Jenny Slate, Nick Offerman, Will Forte, um, Megan Mullally, and Alanis Morissette, who plays the imaginary friend of Jenny Slate's character, who is Alanis Morissette. <laughs> <laughs> the show is about this family that is headed by Nick Offerman. And the setup is that these multiple children being raised by a single dad. And the reason there's, he's a single dad is because the mom abandoned them. And like Bob's burgers, it's about a group of, of characters who all genuinely love one another and support one another. And the conflict doesn't break that. And so it's a, it's a really nice family sitcom and they've had two episodes. Uh, one, which is the, you know, typical getting everybody on the same page to introduce all the characters. Uh, the second episode involves a town celebration. So you get a little bit of a picture of the wider world and the town celebration is the not people festival, which is the festival where the town celebrates the fact that they don't eat people. This is the origins of this festival go back to the original founding of the town, which was Northern European settlers who ended up in that part of Alaska, totally unprepared. And when the winter set in, they turned to eating each other. And after doing that for a while and realizing then in the warmer climate, the bounty of the region and how they were able to then hunt and gather food in preparation for the winter began to celebrate the fact that they no longer had to eat people. <laughs> so it's a, like Bob's burgers, it's got that absurdist slant. It's got great voice actors and the, the differentiation between the characters is really lovely. So I, I strongly recommend it. I think it's a lot of fun. That sounds fun. I'm going to check yeah. that out. Yeah. So people should let us know what they have been watching. Has anybody else checked out the Great North or has anybody else picked up a PlayStation 5? And if you have, have you been trying for the past several weeks to set up a party with Matthew? <laughs> let us know. As usual, you can find our contact information in the podcast description. Please do subscribe. You can find the podcast where you found this podcast. <laughs> I'll just right. let that tautology sink in. Yeah. It's a snaking in its own tail. You were walking along. You found this. <laughs> just look at where you found it and you're going to find it. And you're going to find the other ones and then you can subscribe. You can also give us a rating. You can give us a review and you can share us with your friends. All those things really do help the podcast. And then the podcast helps the channel. The channel helps Matthew. And then Matthew takes 38 minutes to set up a party with me. We'll talk to you next time, everybody. Thanks so much for listening. 